This Thanksgiving, experience the new movie, The Man Who Invented Christmas, starring Dan Stevens as Charles Dickens and Christopher Plummer as Scrooge. Our own Pete Hammond calls it, quote, a total delight, a truly wonderful, amusing, clever, and irresistible holiday charmer. The Man Who Invented Christmas, in theaters, November 22nd. So welcome to the Bart Fleming podcast on film. This is Peter Bart. And Mike Fleming. Now, this is officially award season, Mike, uh, when Hollywood's players are supposed to be focused on the exciting new slate of movies. But I guess inevitably the conversation has been dominated by sexual harassment. Um, and, And, you know... There's, some, there's been something liberating and open about the, the entire discussion of the harassment issue. Bad behavior revealed and disgusting attitudes discredited. Uh, and some positive results, I think, will emerge from all this. Uh, on the other hand, there's, there is a negative side of the situation because we're seeing more and more examples of pure, unmitigated anger rather than open discussion. And I would cite a piece by Manola Dargis, the chief, the co-chief film critic for the New York Times, as an example of pure anger toward men and their work. Um, and you know, she be- she begins her essay today by denouncing the myth that criticism can be practiced objectively, because she admits she's got a document uh, called Creeps consisting of filmmakers who depict women characters getting abused and, and, and in their films or filmmakers who don't give women opportunities for good roles. Uh, and and the, her creep list uh, consists of filmmakers whose work she's prepared to dislike up front. What did you feel about all that? Well, I think it's a little bit dangerous because, one, she didn't mention who she's talking about. And also, I think a reviewer should review what they see on the screen. You always get the impression sometimes um, that there is a pack mentality among reviewers. You'll see a bad review or you'll see some gossip out there or uh, reports that a movie is going to tank. And suddenly you see these things. They seem to be reflected in, in, the, in the critical judgment of some reviewers. So you wonder if they bring baggage as it is. And now basically she's saying that uh, films by creeps aren't going to get a fair shake. I'm not sure that that she's doing her job as a reviewer by adding that as a filter, to be quite honest. And, you know, there's certain attitudinal things that she reflects. Like she said, there's one line in her her piece, says the history of cinema is also a history of the exploitation of women. Cinema is a vehicle for male onanism, displaying male fantasies about sexual power over women. Now, I don't know if something wrong with me, but I don't really see the history of film from that point of view. Well, I, I don't even know what onanism means, to be quite honest. I, you know, but, uh, but uh, honestly, I think that she's probably right. It does reflect uh, attitudinal, um, you know, uh, uh, elements, but... I mean, I don't know, maybe what she should say up, up front is that basically when, she, when the next time Woody Allen comes out with a movie, 
she could say, you know what, I don't believe what he said. Um, <clears throat> or she could say the next time Louis C.K. has a movie, um, I think his masturbatory habits are reprehensible and disgusting. Maybe she should just put that up top and then, um, and then try to, uh, to give the, the, what we see on screen a fair shake. I mean, that, that really is the purpose of a film reviewer. Well, on the subject of Woody, she, she hated Manhattan because it was about a comedy writer, the affair of a comedy writer with a 17-year-old. Now, I didn't see Manhattan in that light. I thought it was sort of a rather gentle and amusing Woody Allen piece. I wish Woody's new work was as, as touching as that. Well, I think if you look back on it now, given what we know, it takes on a, um, it takes on a creepier overtone, to be quite honest. And, um, and, and some of these movies, they, they, they just, uh, they will not sit as well. Um, I mean, how would you feel watching American Beauty now, uh, knowing what we know, um, or at least what we've read about allegations made against, uh, Kevin Spacey by an underage, uh, by a man who was underage at the time. I mean, American Beauty is about, um, is about a man who, who fantasizes about an underage a uh, friend of his daughter's. How does that hold up? You know, it was a damn good movie, and I'm glad I saw it then, and I'm not planning to re-see it, but, God, it was a hell of a movie, I thought. And, you know, you've interviewed so many filmmakers, uh, and, and you, you like doing in-depth interviews. You have more patience than I do. And do, do you feel in your interviews that there's a pattern of... of um, of of exploitation of women that 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 is sort of a a common uh, background of the filmmakers you talk to no but i've never really but i'm a man and 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 i <clears throat> and i don't i don't see the world the way that manola dargis would as a woman she's going to bring a whole different set of sensibilities to how she sees those things so um i have have i've found myself even having to reevaluate how I see the world based upon um, based upon uh, uh, these factors, and it's a useful it's a it's a useful thing uh, for someone like me or anyone else to be changeable and to uh, and to open my eyes a little bit more. Because no, I, I didn't really think about these things. I talked to filmmakers about their work, about their creative process, but I but not about their um, I mean because if they've got prejudices. They certainly aren't going to share them with me. This week's episode is also brought to you by the film Breathe, based on an inspiring true story. USA Today proclaims Breathe, quote, could earn Andrew Garfield his second Oscar nomination. And Rolling Stone calls his turn a, quote, fierce, fully committed performance and a loving tribute to a courageous man. Learn more about this remarkable story and Andrew Garfield's performance at BleakerStreetGuilds.com. But you know, it's interesting, Mike, that two of the best, the, the most interesting pictures that, that I've seen lately are about women. Um, and, and I think they're just terrific pictures. Uh, one is, is directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, and it's called Lady Bird. And I thought she did a, a brilliant job in handling this, uh, basically a coming-of-age uh, comedy drama about a girl. I would really recommend Lady Bird, I, uh, despite its unfortunate title, because people, some people, 
my age think it's about Lady Bird Johnson, but it's not. Um, the other picture about a woman that I think is really interesting is Aaron Sorkin's picture um, called Molly's Game. Uh, now, Aaron Sorkin, as you know, tosses an abundance of words around. The movie is, as usual, talky and overlong. It's about a woman running celebrity poker games named Molly Bloom. And it's just a terrific picture. So, and, and Jessica Chastain is outstanding in this role. But once again, I mention these only because two of the principal pictures around this time of year, Oscar time, are about terrific female characters who are not necessarily abused. We see that every year, but <clears throat> I have to catch up with these movies. I've heard good things about them. Um, but really, for me, the two things that are, the two films that are on my mind are the one that, um, you know, all the money in the world, where I think we're seeing something fairly unprecedented, where, where basically Kevin Spacey is being vanished from this movie because of his... Uh, because of the allegations that were made against him and Ridley Scott really only about a month before the movie is uh, going to be released was so incensed by basically having to uh, see his movie die that, um, that, you know, that he and the, and the film's financiers at imperative entertainment, Dan Freakin made this uh, vow that they were going to reshoot with Christopher Plummer in the, in all the scenes that Spacey is in. Now it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing that they're doing. I've seen articles that said, "Oh, this is going to cost a couple of millions, uh, a couple of million dollars." But in my view, basically, they would have been flushing the entire film um, down the down the toilet because um, I had already heard that theaters didn't want to play it, um, and they were getting, and that Sony Pictures was basically looking at. Uh, this was going to be over and out. The stars would not have been able to promote the movie because they would have just been asked questions about about uh, what their co-star allegedly did. And now this movie has basically taken control of its own narrative. And I think it gets, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be um, predisposed to give it a chance during the Oscar uh, campaign because, uh, because they were unwilling to allow this scandal to... Uh, to to mar the film irreparably and then the other one is the is the film that louis ck uh directed and starred in and which uh orchard bought at toronto for about three and a half million dollars i'm fairly sure that he knew that these allegations against him were coming down but basically i'm sure he denied it also to this uh, small film company which doesn't have a ton of money to spend on these films and and com and committed good good money to this picture and and basically the whole thing is uh is scrapped it's just unbelievable how these uh how these people involved with scandals are are creating shrapnel for everyone around them well we should point out that all the money in the world is about the kidnapping of John Paul Getty III who was 16 years old at the time and and I agree with you in terms of the point of view that it's worth spending the two or three million bucks to re to to redo it um, with Christopher Plummer. Uh, the I think the problem technically, and I've lived through this a few times, is whether or not you can go back and and using green screen and all the other techniques actually um, cre recreate a movie seamlessly. Uh, I tried this a couple of times. I was involved when Natalie Wood was. Uh, died in the middle of brainstorm, 
and again, Robert Shaw uh, died before the end of Avalanche Express. In both cases, there was though the technology at that time wasn't as sophisticated as today, but there was a lot of money spent basically to to work out the movie around them and and uh, actors sitting in for them. And it wasn't done seamlessly. It was a bit clumsy. So I hope that um, all the money in the world will, will with Plummer, uh, will that Ridley Scott is such a brilliant guy. I hope he can get away with it and and um, produce a, a cool movie. Well, a couple of things. You know, I think the uh, technology is, has been greatly improved in that regard. And I remember once interviewing Ridley, and him telling me that when he reads a script, even for the first time. While he's reading it, there's a part of his brain that can basically lay out the visuals of every single scene. He can see it that way. He can see exactly what he would do visually on screen. And his challenge has always been to, to, to learn good storytelling, which I think he has. But, um, but that is like a superpower, really. And so I, I would imagine that as soon as this, uh, as soon as Ridley got pissed off when, um, when they were forced to withdraw that film from the closing night of the AFI festival, and then, and then he and Dan Freakin decided that they were not going to, to accept this, I, I bet you Ridley, within 10 minutes, saw exactly every single thing that he had to do to excise Kevin Spacey from the film, replace him with Christopher Plummer. He knew exactly what he would have to do with Mark Wahlberg, who's in some of those scenes, and Michelle Williams, who's in, in, a, in, in fewer of the scenes. And I have a feeling that this is going to be a film, much like Wind River, that you will want to root for. Now, the makers of Wind River, um, that movie came out. It was distributed by the Weinstein Company. It's about the exploitation of indigenous women on, on reservations and there is a rape in the film. And when those filmmakers found out about Harvey Weinstein, they were absolutely incensed and they were able to strip off every remnant of the Weinstein company from the video and streaming components of that film and also for, for, the, uh, for the screening campaign, which is being financed by the Native American tribes that partly financed the film in the first place. So I don't know where all this goes, but I have to say, given that the, the town has been uh, has consumed by scandal and one disappointing um, uh, story after the next, and all of these women and men who've been exploited by people who are criminal, basically, it's nice to see um, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, positive news in, in filmmakers, basically, um, seizing control of the narrative of their films. Well, in that context, let me, let me recommend two pictures uh, about children that are not uh, uh, about a, a squalid uh, backstory, but, then, but the, the two pictures are not aimed for a children's audience. They're terrific pictures. One is called Wonderstruck, which is about deaf children. Uh, and one is called The Florida Project, which is basically about homeless kids who hang out in dingy motels, the dingy motels surrounding Disneyland in, in, in Orlando. Uh, and and uh, I love the fact that they're really adult movies about children, dealing with them very poignantly and empathetically. And the, the last, uh, both of them have 
have extraordinarily touching endings. So for those of you who would like to, uh, to ignore um, all the pictures um, that have harassment as their backdrops, these are two interesting films to see. Well, the Florida Project, I think, has a, has a real shot at, at, at some of the big categories like Best Picture, Best Director, and uh, Best Supporting Actor. And when you see Willem Dafoe in this movie, this is as good as he's been, I would say, since, uh, since Platoon. Yeah, I so, agree. Um, he's just, he's just terrific. That movie will be, will be high on that film. And he, again, he plays a sort of lovable guy. Well, he's a cranky, he's a cranky, um, he's a cranky uh, uh, kind of custodian manager type. But he is the while all the while while the while the 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 parents of these children are wrapped up in their own difficulties. He really is the caretaker of these children, and he protects them from um, from the kind of miscreants that we've been talking about through this whole podcast. That's right. But anyway, that's the, to me the symbol of how there are opportunities for women in film. I would like to go back to Lady Bird, where Greta Gerwig. Um, she served a terrific apprenticeship um, in, with the Mumblecore School of Filmmaking. She worked on a whole bunch of movies uh, in different roles and, of course, was an actress and, and had a couple of excellent roles as an actress. She played in Woody Allen's picture, To Rome With Love, among others. But she used all this experience as her background in, in writing and directing Lady Bird. And to me, she stands out as an example of a young woman in her early 30s who is, who is, um, using, her, the op- who is using the opportunities uh, in film far and wide to, uh, to create uh, excellent, excellent film. Well, you should, well, you know, you, well, Peter, you mentioned Greta Gerwig and the fact that she did a Woody Allen film. Um, I guess the person um, who has to, we should feel sorry for this Oscar season is Kate Winslet because she, many people say that she turned in just about the best, some of the best work of her career um, in Woody Allen's latest film. And I think given all the, the backdrop of scandal that surrounds us right now, it seems as though that performance might well be forgotten this season. Maybe so. Woody is his cadre of supporters who I think this is 130th movie he's made. Uh, he makes at least one a year. And, um, you know, his, his following will survive, and so will Woody. It's good talking to you, Mike. We'll talk to you, you next week. All right.